to the Quitting Marijuana Podcast. I'm your host, Jonah, the man with the mic, who is currently recording from his second bedroom. Uh, different mic, too, by the way, if the voice sounds a little off. I just can't go through hooking up all this craziness over here. It's total chaos. My wife's got some cool crafting happening, and I've got a guitar case over here. There's just it's all it's all sorts of craziness. Baby blankets, anybody into those? A little crochet action. It's pretty cool. Anywho, uh, big shout out to our listeners in Burbank, Illinois, Toronto, Ontario, London, England, and Flushing, New York. Hope you are sober and always reflecting and improving. Uh, I am. This is two weeks now. It's two weeks today. Or maybe maybe 15 days since I last used. Kind of in that same place of, you know, you get you get to two weeks and you're like, oh, I can handle this. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? It's one day at a time. One day at a time. And so that's how I'm looking at it. I'm not really trying to chase a number anymore. I'm trying to chase a lifestyle. So on this show, we always open with a word of prayer for several reasons. Not the least of which is that every time I make something all about me, God shows just how quickly and spectacularly I will fail without him. Um, also, prayer, you know, I kind of look at, it's a dedicated moment to focus on something bigger than ourselves, right? It's, it's something, on something that's outside of us, but it's also inside of us also. Uh, an opportunity where we can practice humility and reflection. So, prayer is, it's almost like a form of exercise in a way. And I've been really guilty. I listened to a cool, cool sermon about prayer in the pastor said how, oh, you know, a lot of times as Christians were, you know, not even as Christians per se, but as, as people who pray, we're doing it in the car on the way to work, or we're doing it walking into the store. And it's not the priority, right? If you're hurtling down the highway at 65 miles an hour, then you have to have some attention to the road. You can't put all of your heart and soul and all of your attention into the prayer and into the focus on God. And so by doing that, it, it, it's... It has some benefits. I mean, you can start to pick through. I think probably for each person, there's a different thing, but breaking the ego is definitely a big part of that. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and, and we'll pray together. Dear God, please bless this time that we have together. Strengthen us, Lord, as we approach each day with a renewed focus on what is right and what is good. Help us to resist temptation and to draw upon both the strengths from our victories, as well as those reminders, those painful reminders of our defeats, let our focus be on you and not on ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. Our reading this show comes from the Holy Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So 1 Peter, this is part of Peter's letter to Christians who are scattered throughout the world and who were undergoing suffering as they lived faithfully in a pagan and hostile society. And let's take a look here. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever. Amen. I don't know how far into your sober lifestyle you are, but everybody has the ability to change if they believe in a higher power and are willing to put the work in. This passage, it it didn't speak to me when I first picked it out in the way that I thought it would when I read it for the podcast. Um, This whole idea of humility is kind of whacking me because I kind of got into it with a coworker who has been nothing but a, a great friend to me. You know, she's been a teacher for like 17 years or something. Now she's our math instructional coach. And I, I have kind of a chip on my shoulder when it comes to people helping out, or should I say not people helping out, but like the AIS providers or the reading specialists or the math specialists, these teachers who work with like two or three kids in a given period. It just seems like they're always copping out. Any, any opportunity they get to do less work is they take advantage of. And, and perhaps that's unfair now that I think about it because maybe other teachers, classroom teachers, would do that too if they had the opportunity, but because of the nature of their position, they don't. And so I'm probably unfairly criticizing them, realizing they're just like everybody else. But this person who's, a, again, a good friend of mine, she shows up late. And this is after a couple of days of her saying, oh, well, you know, I know you're stretching and meditating at the beginning of math class, and I don't want to interrupt that, you know. And it's, to me, it's like, <laughs> you know, they're kindergartners. Like, math starts at 105, so get your butt in the room and come help out, because sometimes we got kids who peed their pants, right? We got kids who are crying. We got kids who are having trouble putting their snow clothes away. And so any adult in the room who's available is always put to good use. So anyway... She shows up wicked, super duper late. Some, I guess it was some miscommunication. To me, it seemed very clear. And a couple minutes after her arrival, she tries to say something to me about it because I didn't really acknowledge her when she came in. And I didn't say boo to her, right? She's like, she, she's like, oh, hey, you know, she tried to just say something and I just totally ignored her, just kept on teaching. I was in a good flow, right? And, and I had all these, this pent up anger, frustration in me, didn't completely trust what I was going to say kind of used the fact that she was quiet in her approach to me as like, oh, well, I, you know, if she was a little louder then I would have turned around because I would have been forced to, but I'm not. So I'm just going to keep going. And who was she mad? Uh, you know, I turn partway through the lesson and we get to the, the point where she's going to be taking some groups over independently. I'm like, oh, hey, so-and-so like, duh, 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 duh. and she gives me a look that would kill. Right. And like daggers, nastiest, nastiest face I've ever probably that I've ever gotten from a coworker, honestly. And so, and she's, she's like, oh, I know, <laughs> or something like that. And so now, of course, I'm all, I'm all spun up, right? Now, now I feel terrible. Now I feel guilty. And this is a week where I'm supposed to be kicking butt, right? I had my cool parent study night on Wednesday night. It was awesome. 
so I had all these big plans, things were cooking. And so that just took a lot of, a lot of steam out of my sails. And so, you know, I read these Bible verses now and they talk about be humble under God. And it's like, you know what, man, if I had just been, if I thought of myself a little more that way, if I thought of myself as more of a sinner, if I thought of myself as more of somebody who was imperfect, if I recognize that like my, my great mission is just to love others and to not see that speck of sawdust in their eye when I have that log in my own, then this never would have happened, right? And, and it's so crazy because here I am at home wanting to get rich, right? Wanting to buy property, wanting to buy a camp. And I'm just a school teacher. Oh, my, you know, my wife's just a nurse. But the world is, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And if everybody who knows me thinks I'm a jackass, then I'm never going to get ahead, right? I'm never going to get those cool opportunities. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And so anyway, it's just, it's super lame. I, I can't blame it on not smoking, right? I mean, and I had been meditating. It was just a reaction. I think it was from the lack of sleep, maybe. Uh, or it was just, maybe, it was probably mostly because of my nature, right? Getting up at four in the morning obviously does not let your brain work super well, but I, I'd been hanging in there. I'd, I'd been holding it together. And like I said, this is like my number one, my number one pet peeve. And so, boom, it happened. And anyway, so I apologized to her, to her the next day, but uh, it wasn't cool. And so, <laughs> you know, the negative effects of, of using the dope, I guess, in some ways is that it, it does kind of dumb you down. And you can use all oh, that dummy down. It's, it kind of tames you, right? It like makes you able to kind of survive or, or handle what life throws at you. But it, but it really doesn't, right? Like just because you're handicapped by this substance doesn't actually mean you're showing people or you're getting to represent who you are. And the handicap only works as long as it's on you. And, I, and again, I'm calling it a handicap because, yes, for somebody with a temper like mine – Sometimes the weed helps in the sense that I'm all, you know, I'm doped up, right? Like my brain's not working like it normally would. I'm, I'm more chill. But then there's all the cons that come with it, right? It's the lack of memory. It's the poor speech. It's the athletic impairments. It's the, you know, having trouble with my breathing. Um, <laughs> it's the change in my skin tone, the change in my eyes. Like literally, I, I, I look like a different person than what I used to before smoking. And it's not just weed, right? It's also the booze. On the plane ride back, if you've been kind of following along with me, the plane ride back from Florida, I met a guy, been sober 18 years, uh, smoking too much dope, drinking too much weed, or <laughs> drinking too much alcohol. And he's, he had to quit both. He, he couldn't quit one or the other. It had to be both. And so I went out Wednesday night with my assistant principal. He's been going through a rough time. I wanted to kind of catch up on the school gossip. I wanted to kind of celebrate my family study night. And so we go out and I have one drink. One, right? And that's not easy for me, but I, I have the one. Well, here's the thing. I've been pushing myself so hard. The four o'clock in the morning, the, the late nights at school, report cards, wrestling tournaments, extracurriculars. I've been grinding and grinding. And... Sure enough, what happens the next day? I get sick. Now, maybe I would have gotten sick anyway, right? It was the stomach bug. I end up having, you know, a total butt faucet. I uh, end up throwing up at 2 o'clock. I have to go home early. I don't make it to any of my parent-teacher conferences. But it's like, man, I, I don't know. Would I have gotten sick if I, hadn't, if I had not weakened myself like that? If I had not stayed out and consumed the booze? And then you wonder, too, like, is this... 
is God trying to teach me something? Because I was supposed to be going with my brother to Killington, Vermont to do some skiing. Amazing ski slope. I haven't skied in two years. My brother's been traveling the whole country. Chance for him and I to catch up. But I knew that he would be bringing some weed with him. And you know how it is. You're thinking to yourself, oh, well, this will be my chance, right? This is when I'm going to show him uh, that I'm, I'm staying clean. I'm staying out of it. But then there's also that other part of you, like deep, deep, deep down, that's like, well, you know, what if we were on the chairlift and you, and you take one puff because it's a social norm, right? It kind of lubricates the conversation, gets that person to open up to you. It's not like, ooh, you're holier than thou type of thing. Like, you don't want to come off like that. Can I say that I would have done, that I would have been able to stay clean in those circumstances? Right now, I want to say yes. But time and time and time again, the answer has been no. In fact, I don't think there has ever been a time, except maybe once. And it was like real casual, like on my front porch, my brother came over for like an hour or something. One time when I was able to say no. All the rest of the times were yes. So was God letting me get sick to help me avoid this temptation, to help me get more days of sobriety under my belt? Was God reminding me to... Also drop this other habit of drinking the booze because it's no good for you and you're going to become a phys ed teacher and it makes you sick. I don't know, but the reason you get sick from drinking is it crushes your immune system, right? And it crushes your immune system because it kills your gut bacteria. And so I'm going to hop around a little bit here because uh, it kind of I've been trying to get a flow to these podcasts, right? This I don't know if you guys have noticed. You probably have. But... Um, Let's, let's change the flow for a quick second. I don't know if you hear those dings. I'm hearing them in my microphone. Somebody's texting me all of a sudden out of the blue. I apologize. But let's, let's talk about this whole leaky gut thing and how your gut is tied to your, your immune system. You see how I'm going to kind of swap the music around there? Hopefully, assuming I, I have the discipline to do that after this. I'm, I'm still kind of messed up from puking my guts out and having the butt faucet. It's been, it's been challenging. But the athletic tip of the week... It's going to be about nutrition and the importance of fiber. Now, okay, you know, fiber makes for more regular bowel movements, and that's really important. But I pulled up a couple of papers here. Fiber is really what gut bacteria thrive on, and there's a lot of different kinds of fibers. You can call them resistant starches with different structures. Uh, So let me read this little introduction here. Oh, no, no, I deleted it. Dang. Well, basically, that was talking about how different types of fiber react or are hosts or become food for different kinds of gut bacteria. And what I liked about that paper was it also brought up polysaccharides, which are found in fungi specifically, right? And so fungi have been long purported amongst Native American populations, all these different cultures, to have all these great anti cancer benefits and of course the modern research the japanese now have been going into betulinic acid which is this black fungi that comes out of a uh paper birch right and i originally at my school of science i had a cool research proposal to see if trees were infected with this fungi without the fungi actually needing to produce its fruiting body so that way you could label the tree and you can monitor it and you could come back it's this chaga fungus, right? And it's, it's expensive. Like, it's kind of hard to get. So anyway, it's kind of interesting in the, the sense that the Japanese were studying the chemicals that the fungi produced 
to help protect you against cancer. But here's this other paper about gut microbiota and immune system interactions that are also talking about cancer. So I'll go ahead and read the abstract to you. Dynamic interactions between gut microbiota and a host's innate and adaptive immune systems are essential in maintaining intestinal homeostasis and inhibiting inflammation. Gut microbiota metabolizes proteins and complex carbohydrates, synthesizes vitamins, and produces an enormous number of metabolic products that can mediate crosstalk between gut epithelium and immune cells. As a defense mechanism, gut epithelial cells produce a mucosal barrier to segregate microbiota from host immune cells and reduce intestinal permeability. An impaired interaction between gut bacteria and the mucosal immune system can lead to an increased abundance of potentially pathogenic gram-negative bacteria and their associated metabolic changes, disrupting the epithelial barrier and increasing susceptibility to infections. Gut dysbiosis or negative alterations in gut microbial composition can also dysregulate immune responses, causing inflammation, oxidative stress, and insulin resistance. Uh, Sorry, it does keep going. I'm getting to the part with cancer. Over time, chronic dysbiosis and the leakage of microbiota and their metabolic products across the mucosal barrier may increase the prevalence of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune disease, inflammatory bowel disease, and a variety of cancers. In this paper, we highlight the pivotal role gut bacteria and their metabolic products, i.e. short-chain fatty acids, which play in mucosal immunity. So, why do you eat fiber? Yeah, you want to have regular bowel movements, but one of the reasons you have regular bowel movements is because you have healthy gut bacteria. And what do healthy gut bacteria do? They also make sure that you, your gut has that appropriate shield so all the nasty germs and junk that are inside you don't go into your bloodstream and make you sick. So, anyway, would I have gotten sick even without the booze? Possibly, but I'm just, this is my, this is our athletic tip of the week. <laughs> um, and if you have some competitive athletic experience or scientific background and you want to send us a cool tip, go ahead, use a basic app like Voice Memo, record that quick tip, and send it over. It's always the same email quitting marijuana podcast at gmail.com. A quick hunting and fishing update. Man, I have not really been out in the timber. I keep waiting for a day where the snow has melted so I can go out and do some scouting. So this time of year is fantastic for deer hunters because we can go out and we can see the sign that was left from the fall because it's been preserved under the snow and the ice. You know, the the grass hasn't started growing back yet and the foliage is off the leaves. And so whether it's tracks or beds or scrapes, All of these things are visible. You want to use this time of year to make plans for next hunting season. So it's a great chance to either scout an area where you maybe saw a nice deer, but you didn't understand the layout of the land and where he or she might be bedded or what the food source was. Uh, It's a great time to just find yourself a new spot to go out there and find some good beds, find some good trails. Find some good terrain features. Where is the habitat more diverse? You're going to see deer trails and deer sign 
pretty much almost all nature sign. Actually, I shouldn't say that, but wherever, I shouldn't say just deer, but all animals of the woods and of nature are going to be where different habitat types converge. You might have a cattail marsh leading up to a meadow, which is also joined by like a hardwood forest. You might have a finger going out into like a, a sphagnum moss, like a peat moss bog, maybe a finger of land that comes off into that. And so that finger, first of all, acts as like an easier walkway for creatures to come out of the swamp. But on each side of that, you're going to get like red brush and the uh, alders. So you're getting this diverse set series of plants. And that right there is key for animal life. You've got to have the diversity. So anyway, I'm really looking forward to getting out and doing some scouting, finding some beds, and then making a plan on how to stock up on those beds to get within, you know, 70 yards, 100 yards, because deer, unfortunately, in North America on public land are pretty much nocturnal. They do not spend a lot of time moving around in daylight. Oh, yeah, they will in the summertime. But once hunting season rolls around and they start catching the scent of man in places where it is not normally, bam, they know the game is on and they shut down. They might only move 50 yards, 70 yards from where they have been laying all day in the daylight hours, right? So typically they move at dawn and dusk. But if you're not close enough to that bed, you're never going to get the opportunity for a kill. Or should I say for a harvest. Also, the ice has been totally garbage this year. I, I haven't made a trip to the way far north in order to get some ice fishing in. I was hoping something more local uh, would freeze up, but it really hasn't. I'm really hoping that it does good things for the fish population, though, because, man, I I always feel kind of kind of bad, really, when I see guys come off the ice with five-gallon buckets full of perch. You know, they got 50 perch, 100 perch in there. There are some bodies of water where there's no limit, and the DEC has imposed that. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they got good reasons for it, but it just, it does just kind of seem like a shame. I mean, I, I've heard of guys who don't go, who don't work in the winter. They take unemployment checks, <laughs> but then they go out ice fishing and they sell the fish that they catch to like local restaurants and stuff. And to me, that's just not cool. So anyway, that, that, there's my quick hunting and fishing update. Let's go ahead and start winding it down. Let's contemplate the words of Jane Goodall when she said, You cannot get through a single day without having an impact on the world around you. What you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. And today's Bible verse, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time.